What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Art collector. When you hear that, what do you think of? For me, it's an auction house in a movie where people are spending thousands or even millions of dollars on these obscure, abstract sculptures and paintings. It's never clear whether those dollars actually go to the artist, and it all just feels real stuffy and inaccessible. But that's not necessarily the way most art collecting happens. Just because that big, big mode of collecting, going into galleries, buying through dealers, is the one that we hear about the most, I actually don't think it's the one that's happening the most often. When somebody goes to a local art market, when somebody stops by a local art store and they pick up a print, they're also art collecting. That's Steph Krim. You might remember me talking to her a few months ago about her business, Good Things Vending. She curates vending machines around the city, but instead of edible treats, they're full of work from local artists. So she's pretty tapped into the Chicago art scene. Today, I'm talking to her and Hussein Halek. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Momentable, which she talks about as the Netflix of art. There's nothing like standing in front of a painting. I'm here to tell you that nothing can replace that. It's completely different. And, um, and, but the next best thing is to have art, you know, fill your screens. So he's thinking about how to make art collecting more accessible in ways you wouldn't naturally consider. And Hussein got his appreciation for owning artwork from a painting that's been in his family for years. It's very weird to have surrealist art in a home in Syria. And all the time, everyone that came would have a conversation about it. So it's always stuck with me that art sparked conversations. Hussein and Steph are coming at this art collecting thing from different angles. So I thought talking to them both could get pretty interesting. I wanted to know if you're not wealthy or if you don't have a lot of space, how should you be thinking about art collecting? Like, how can it be more accessible to the average person who is just out here seeing art they like? Or even more interesting, maybe you're like me and you are already an art collector, but you just didn't realize it. We started by talking about why people love to collect, just things in general. Everybody loves collecting, and I think um, collecting is just a part of the human condition. And encouraging that and encouraging, attaching a, an emotional value, starting conversations, showing off the collections, you know, it brings us together. It's one more thing that brings us together as a community and where we find, you know, something that we belong to. And in fact, in today's world, I think collecting is a great way to build community and mm. start conversations and, and kind of build those connections. That's really beautiful. Um, We do sometimes end up in art spaces or end up in some space and we see something that we want. And and, you know, you you look on the little tag and it's like thousands of dollars outside of your price range. Um, There's that barrier of finances. And Mm. I wonder what your advice is there. If if you want to collect and you want you think that uh, obviously start with with whatever is reachable for you and I would recommend do not spend more than one to five percent of your budget it's I would say start with with something manageable also there is I would highly recommend that you talk to the artist uh, sometimes the artist may have a painting on display but artists are people and they are sometimes impressed with somebody's passion. Like yes. there is some something to be said to artists and say, can you provide it as a print? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And maybe there's something else that the artist can, can do. Sometimes they can mm. do a smaller versions. You mm-hmm. know, use it as a jumping base. 
to have a conversation because the the collecting is is not like a just a commercial kind of exchange. Yeah. You're building a collection with the artist. You're showing showing support. You're you're having a conversation. Artists love that. That's why they have their art there. So use it as a as a kind of a, a sparking of a conversation with the artist, with the gallerist, and why you want to do that. Yeah. Um, Steph, I, I know this is like right up your alley. Um, I mean, first of all, Good Things Vending is a way to make art more accessible. Just just off rip, right? You're putting pieces in this familiar, approachable, low stakes place for people to get them in, in a vending machine. Um, but I, I love that concept of building relationship between aspiring collectors and, and artists. And I wonder if you can talk more about that. I really couldn't have said it better myself. Oh. I, mean, I think Hussein absolutely nailed it. Any artist who is professionally pursuing their art career is an individual business owner. And it's not hmm. like going into a store. It's a different dynamic even than going into a gallery because you are talking to the person who in most cases does every part of that business. And that connection hmm. of you reaching out and saying, I love what you do is as high a compliment as I think you can get. And often, like Hussein is saying, forges a relationship where that person then wants you to own a piece of their work. It, it makes them feel good to know that their work is going into the hands of somebody that really cares about what they're making. I would say that if, you know, to sort of piggyback off of what Hussein was saying, if, if you know that somebody's work is outside of your price range, you can go in with a budget. You can say, you know, this is how much money I have to spend. I can spend a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it is. And I really want some of your artwork. Is there a way that I can get your artwork? Because then you're not asking somebody else to compromise the value of their work. You're just letting them know what you have available and you're letting them know what you want. And if they can accommodate, I think in most cases they will. Um, and, you know, I think I see that play out a lot at Buddy where we have a massive Buddy's that art store in the in the cultural center that represents a lot of local artwork. And it's fascinating to see how people engage because the work in this space ranges from, you know, a couple of dollars all the way up to thousands and thousands of dollars. And the price of the work isn't what instigates a response to it. Somebody doesn't look at a piece of artwork <laughs> and have an emotional or personal response because they see the price tag. So I would say, like, don't let the conversation end at the price tag. If that's not the reason that you fell in love with the work in the first place, don't let that stop you. And one thing that came up while you were talking about it, Hussein, is like, how would you collect information about book recommendations or movie recommendations? I would suggest maybe compiling a list of artists that you enjoy in the same way. You may not be able to scoop up work from all of those artists right away, but as you're moving through the world, if you see somebody's work who you love, it might be a mural on the side of a building. It might be somebody that did the cover of your favorite book. You know, write that name down. And when you get a chance or you want to add to your collection, that's the building of your community. That's the building of your creative community, your, your art community. Yes. And oftentimes, if you like the aesthetic choices or the mode that that person makes work in, that person will likely be in community with other artists that sort of rhyme. Yes. So it can often hand you, you know, your next favorite artist <laughs> and the favorite artist after that. So I really love framing it like Hussein did as a conversation between the work that you want, the artist that makes it and, and, and what you have the capacity to acquire. Yeah, this is how I think about DJs. I've been like going to things and then like, like, okay, who is this DJ? Let down. me follow them on Instagram because I'm yeah. going to their next set, wherever it's at. 
Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's such a it's such a great um, way to think about just the creative and artistic things that you consume in general. When we're talking about where to begin about like around like what you want to consume, right? Outside of the budget piece, just like what do I want <laughs> to have? Um, I know for me, I go by what grabs me. You know, I go by that gut feeling like, oh my God, I'm having this visceral, you know, reaction um to this. Um, Hussein. How would you suggest that a person lean into that when they're considering what to buy? I think one of the one of the things is when you ask someone, what do you like? Do you like impressionist art? Do you like classic? Do you like Renaissance art? People like they look at you with, with kind of a <laughs> empty stare. It's like, what, what are these mean? words? <laughs> well, because because the thing is, unfortunately, sometimes it's it's positioned that in order to be in the art world, you have to be educated about the art. And and that's that's true if that's what you want. But like everything, like music, I don't have to know, you know, music theory to know, to know that I like a type of music. I don't even have to know the type, of, the name of the type of music. I'm just like, hey, that's a nice tune. I wanna, I wanna listen to more of that. Yeah, whatever that is. So it, it's it's like music. Music. We have radio stations. We have, you know, you know, we have uh, the Sp- Spotify and and uh, you know uh, Apple Music. You want to expose yourself to art. You want to actually, as much as possible, kind of be around art. So if you have mm. a local museum, local gallery, just go visit as much as you want. You know, like it's such a it's such a change, and you start exposing yourself to things, and you may stumble on some things like, ah, oh, I like this. What is this? And you, and that's that curiosity sparks your journey and takes you down a route. Yeah. Um, Steph, I want to bring this down in, into the Chicago-based space. Um, I know you're really plugged in around here, and I'm wondering if someone is like, okay, here I am, I'm, I'm in the city, maybe I'm new here, maybe I've been here for a while, but I'm really trying to get this art in my life more. Um, do you have places that you feel like are accessible that you would recommend or how to think about that? Definitely. I mean, I think piggybacking off of what Hussein said about exposing yourself, going to galleries, going to museums. I think another thing that fits in that same category is going to local art markets. There's tons that happen in the summer. There's, you know, some for Valentine's Day. And it's kind of any holiday that comes around, there are these markets that happen. And they're populated by local artists who are making work in often very accessible ways because they are not necessarily working with galleries. They are trying to promote their own work. They mm-hmm. are setting up these booths themselves and they want something that's going to capture any audience, whether that's somebody that has a dollar or somebody that has thousands of dollars. So a lot of times at markets is a great place to both meet local artists whose work you're interested in, make those connections and start those conversations. Also a great place to grab things like prints of you know maybe other original works that you love but but can't get that original yet mm-hmm. um, and there's also local art stores there's a ton of them around the city stores that focus on both getting artwork from local artists but also goods from local makers meaning that your art collection doesn't just have to be paper and pen or paint it can be the glassware that you drink your 
your cocktail out of in the evening. It can be your mug that you drink your coffee out of. It could be the clothes that you put on your body. If you love letterpress, it could be a Mm. box of cards that you collect. And that's what you send to your friends and your family. Or maybe you don't send them to anybody because you're a sticker kid like me and you're really (laughs) just wanting to hold on to them because you love them. You know, I think whatever medium it is that you're attracted to, uh, those artists are here. Yes. Yeah, I like this um, this idea, too, that keeps kind of coming up of, like, collecting can be anything. Like, we all collect things. I, I talked to someone recently who was telling, you know, he, he has all these, these books <laughs> in his home. And I'm like, oh, he has this, like, DIY furniture book. And I'm like, oh, did you make any of this stuff in here? He's like, no, I don't do that. And I'm like, well, why do you? Why do you have this book? And he's like, it was a dollar. It's a beautiful book. You know, I got it from the secondhand store. I collect books. You know, this is this is the create creative things I collect and I put them on display in my home, you know, and I'm just like, wow, I, I'm, I think a book so much like function, you know, like, am I, am I going to read it or not? You know, and like for him, it's it's a thing. It's a creative piece that he collects, you know? Yeah. Well, and this this has been so great so far. Um, but if, if a person is listening to this and they're still just like, can I just talk to somebody? You know, like what what how should I you know, can, I, can does somebody know more than me that can help me? Who's saying, do you have ideas about like like is, is there like an, a collector mentor kind of situation that could happen? Well, I think uh, the the first thing I would say is just like people do book clubs, you can do art appreciation clubs. You can gather around with your friends and say, "Hey, let's let's talk about let's talk about the art that we have at our home and and learn why people collect because it sparks ideas. How did they collect? You know, their journey. Um, I, I love the book the book uh, stuff because because I'm a collector of books as well. And I, and I've, when I moved when I moved from Dubai to Vancouver, <laughs> I paid thousands of dollars to move my book collection. My wife still reminds me till day like you spent so much money on that thing. <laughs> I said, I couldn't leave them. I said, like, my babies. <laughs> so, uh, so I think talk to someone who's passionate. When you go to a gallery, like when you see someone looking at art, start a conversation and say, hey, like, what do you like about this art? And, and do you collect? And how did you become a collector? Mm. So uh, being mentor doesn't have to be, you know, this official relationship. Like, can you be my mentor? <laughs> it can be just someone you can reach out to to ask questions. Or you've heard it here. I mean, you have Steph in Chicago, which yes. is great. Reach out to Steph and send her an email and say, hey, Please do. Uh, can you tell me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you tell me like where do I start? Can you guide me to someone? Is is there tips? What can I read? Sometimes just pointing to somewhere to find because we live in this space and we it's natural for us to kind of move around and, and find the links and find the resources. For someone who's just starting, these things that we take for granted might be a big discovery for them. So uh, so I'd say ask just ask ask everyone around you yeah. and and see where that leads you. It's just fun. You know, this is this is all making me think about, you know, just how amazing and valuable it is to have the things that you love around you, the things that give you joy. And, you know, whether it's things you can look at or things that you can listen to. And um, I, I met someone recently who said he moved like over 10 times right in the last six years. And, you know, he's like he lives in a studio apartment. And I'm like, he probably doesn't have a lot of stuff, you know, like, I mean, you're moving all those times. Um, I think 
there is a case, though, to be made for, you know, whether in that situation or whether you just are like a minimalist, you know, <laughs> um, you know, for for having those those things around you. And I, and I would love to kind of hear y'all talk about or maybe make that case like like why should I care about having the things around me that I love? I can I speak to movement because we moved, I think, like around five times in the past 10 years. The first thing that we actually look for and we, we hang is pictures, paintings, and those little things that, you know, I have these little toys that I collect everywhere. And they, they give personality to the space. Aside from that, it's all furniture and, you know, regular stuff. The stuff that, that brings us joy brings also personality to the place we live. You know, we see those um, uh, movies when you sit at a desk and what happens is when somebody moves that desk, the first thing they put out is like, you know, like a toy or something and they personalize the desk <laughs> yes. and it kind of take that portion of, of like that, they, that they're on and they make it their own. And I think there's something to be said about that, of being human and personalizing your space and maybe leaving your mark somewhere. Yeah, I mean, for me, the impulse to collect and my like love of visual objects is really fundamental to how I move through the world. But I recognize that that may not be the case for everybody. It yeah. may just not be that everybody finds value in putting that sort of visual object in a space. But if inside of you, you have a little bit of an impulse that you want that, like if somewhere inside of you, you see things and you love them. And there's this feeling of like, could that be in my home? Could my home look like this? Could my office look like this? I think that one of early on for me, one of the things that I battled against was the idea of good and valuable. Is this work good? And is this work valuable? Felt mm -hmm. like a prerequisite for me spending my money on it. But um, both of those are like made up. You know, the value of something, the goodness of something that is such a subjective, maybe the market goes up for somebody's work, maybe it goes down, that I think that having it driven from a really personal place, having it driven from when you look at this thing, even if you have to move 17 times, every single time that you pull that object out of a box, does it make you feel good? Do you look at it and get excited? Do you want to get lost in that world of this piece of art, whatever it is? In that case, I think that the value of it is right there. Steph Krim is the creator of Good Things Vending. Steph, thank you. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Hussein Hullick is the co-founder and CEO of Momentable. Hussein, thank you. Thank you for having me. Such a brilliant conversation. To learn more about Steph's work, head to goodthingsvending.com. And to see what Hussein's up to, check out momentable.art. And that's it for today. Thanks to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. And we love hearing from you. What do you want to hear on the show? Email us at therundownpod at wbez.org. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.